You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says, this is Locked On Indians, and I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. On today's show, we are going to look at the three games this weekend against the Athletics. We're going to look at performances, who did what, who stood out for both good and bad. After that, we'll look at the Indians transactions, the addition of A.J. Cole, the demotion of Cody Anderson, and the situation with those players. And we'll end with uh, with some draft talk. I'll go over the players I'm kind of putting together for my full count trends piece on this week. If you've been following along over on 24-7 Sports, I have an always updating big board that I am uh, adding to uh, all the time. I will have the second part of that go up tomorrow and full count trends on Tuesday. So the Indians lost two out of three games this weekend to the Ath- Oakland Athletics, who were a team that were last in the AL West coming into this game. They're another team that's struggling offensively this year. A lot of the players they've counted on just have not performed or are performing below the standards that are expected of them. But they're also a team that has some uh, cast-off pieces, much like the Indians. Uh, Robbie Grossman was let go by the Twins. He was actually quite productive for a few years with the Twins after the Indians let him go, Um, a move that ended up working out for the Twins. Uh, The Twins have such a crowded outfield, they moved on from him. And, you know, that was to... uh, Oakland thought to their benefit, though he has been... He has really struggled this year. Their catching situation has been a little up and down at points. Uh, Jackson Profar, who they traded for to fill that Judd Lowry role, has has been... uh, Let's put it this way he's basically been their version of Jose Ramirez offensively but worse uh Stephen Piscotti has been okay Chris Davis has been Chris Davis Matt Olson is underachieving what they'd hoped so it's a lot like the Indians but imagine if you got rid of Carlos Santana it's not been the best performance uh this year Marcus uh Semien, the shortstop has stepped up a bit Um, But he has been quietly a much better player than probably anyone outside of Oakland realizes the past few years. Now, if we're being honest with ourselves as Indians fans, I think we would admit that uh, losing two out of three this weekend is not a huge surprise. When you've got Cody Anderson going one of those games and um, Jeffrey Rodriguez, who still is performing well, picked up the win today. We'll get into that when I talk about his game. But all the side stats show that... uh, I don't think he'll be able to keep that up because he's not missing bats, and uh, that's always an indicator of uh, a little bit of fluky success. But we'll start with Friday's game. Cody Anderson goes three innings, gives up just two runs. I say just two in three innings. Uh, You know, brings down his ERA to 9.35. Strikes out three, walks three. But because of this, Dan Otero comes in for two. Neil Ramirez for one. He gives up another run. Tyler Clippard comes in for one, uh, Simber for 1.1, Prez for two-thirds, Wetgren for two innings, Hand doesn't actually record an out before he gives up the home run. Now, Anderson also had a wild pitch, and here's part of the problem. All the choices you have on this team, and you go to Cody Anderson, well, he forces you to use almost the entire pen. It puts the entire team at a disadvantage for the rest of the weekend. Anderson was... um, demoted after the game mostly so they could go and add a reliever who'd be fresh but it puts them behind the eight ball and just they're like well now he can go down to triple a and pitch in a less stressful environment 
why did you waste two games of him? Why did you just almost guarantee your team two losses? And they did lose both games he pitched if he wasn't ready. If he needed more time, why was he out there? Uh, it, it, that just didn't make much sense to me. Uh, if he is not ready to start in the majors, if he is not able to to do that, then why did they let him go out there and just give away games early? Uh, he also hit a pitch uh, a batter, so again, it's it's clearly not a good performance. The pen did shine in that one. Um, Oliver Perez had a one of his better outings when you look at it, to go two thirds of an inning, strike out one. Uh, he's been like, like as I've mentioned before, the uh, the worst pitcher in the pen. Neil Ramirez is is the worst pitcher in the pen who's getting consistent work. He, I believe I'd have to double check, but at least going into the weekend, he led the bullpen in innings, even though he was the least effective pitcher. And you know, I'll bring up again that they decided to go to salary arbitration with him for a million dollars rather than, you know, for a team that seemed to be cutting every dollar they could. Neil Ramirez is the one place where they're going to spend money. So, yeah, no, he's uh, he's not good. Well, I'm just going to continue to bring it up. Um, so they lose this one. Hand gives up a home run. Chapman has huge power. There's always the risk with Chapman. When you look at the overall team performance, um, the Indians had 10 hits, which is good, but their consistent problem, the two walks, 12 strikeouts. They just cannot put anything together, again, because they're just not avoiding outs. They are, 10 hits is fantastic, but they're not able to string things together right now, and that's what we're seeing pretty consistently with his offense, is an inability to string things together. You get down to it, you look at it, you know. Cargo, Naquin, uh Pulwecki, Bowers all had doubles, but just three runs. Four four doubles, four extra base hits, ten total hits, and just three runs to show for it. Uh, Naquin, Kipnis, and Ramirez are your guys who were able to get on base twice. This does mark the high mark for Jose Ramirez in batting average at the end of this game, hitting two oh seven. Uh, the next few games, we'll see it goes down. The Indians lose, but when you send Cody Anderson out, you're pretty much guaranteeing that to begin with. So after the game, they send him down for A.J. Cole. I'm going to talk about him more in the second half of the show. We'll get into it then. But the next game, it's an ugly affair. Uh, the Oakland's catcher has a uh, inside-the-park home run, which isn't really because there's an error on the play, but... Um, just a lot of defensive issues, you know, Jordan Leplo falling down. The upside is Jordan Leplo still went two for four in the game. Uh, Mike Freeman went two for three. Kipnis had two hits, two hits for Lindor, um, two walks for Ramirez. But the problem is that, you know, you'd think they could get more than two runs when I, I tell you those numbers. Uh, Leonis Martin had two hits, one of which was his team-leading sixth home run of the year, and those were the only two uh, runs scored was on that home run. But you go down to it, Martin's your nine-hitter, Lindor's one, Kipnis two, Ramirez three. Each of those guys reach base two times. There's, It should be easy to run into more than two runs. They got the home run. That's the easy part. This is a game they really should have won, uh, but again, they're just not able to to stack things up. 
Uh, Bauer is brilliant. I've had my concerns, but this was a game where he was brilliant. There's no way around it. Um, and part of that was that he didn't give up any home runs, which has been an issue, and his walks were only three and seven innings, which is down, and his strikeouts were over 10. So it's a good performance for him. He's obviously doing all the right things. No earned runs. The two hits. A.J. Cole comes in and gives up the... Uh, the the run that cost the Indians the game. He goes one and one third inning, and they lose one that they should have won. Um, defense didn't do well. The uh, the offense can't string anything together. Same old story. Very clearly, though, the Indians thought uh, very little of Nick Hundley stealing three bases off of him in the game. And then today's game, uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez. Six innings, three earned runs on six hits, three walks, three Ks. He has the home run. Again, I don't know how he does it. Uh, I mean, I know this stuff is good, and I need to dive into the numbers and see, you know, is he just uh, the is an extreme ground ball rate? Just really dive into it. But his performance has been really strong so far this year in terms of things like ERA and uh, quality starts. But just feels like he shouldn't be performing this well. But uh, one cannot complain. Uh, Simber with another strong outing. I am continually curious to see how he performs over the course of this year. Nick Wetgren, who's been someone I've you know been on since the moment they added him, has really kind of turned into the eighth inning guy for the Indians right now. And then Hand with his eleventh uh, save. Leonis Martin had a stolen base and a caught stealing, as did Lindor. Santana had the double, but the big one here is, of course, Roberto Perez's fourth home run of the year. It's a three-run shot, and that's the difference in the game. I mentioned in last week's episodes how he was in the top 10% of hard hit percentage. He's hitting the ball hard. He's just not getting the results that one would uh, expect from that. In this game, he got those results. That is his fourth home run of the year, so it might be surprising to think that he's already have he has four the team lead is six um with the way he's hitting the ball it wouldn't be shocking if by the end of the month if he had the uh the team lead in home runs it'd be something to look at one of the other things was interesting this game was the five walks for the indians three of those by mike freeman now for as uh anti-freeman as i have been i have to give the guy credit the uh last two games he's gotten on base while playing second base um i don't know if I necessarily love him in the uh, the two spot in the lineup, I, I yeah. But hey, uh, Jose Ramirez's streak of reaching base ends in this one. Uh, it goes over four with the strikeout. He still has a below average everything. So we'll, uh, you know, I, I definitely miss the uh, the all star level performance. I mean, that's just a huge change. Like we can talk about Lindor and his injury and time missed and how he is not performing how he had performed in years past. His numbers are down, but he is still about league average numbers offensively. But Ramirez uh, was arguably the better hitter than Lindor a year ago, the more complete one the last two years. And he is not just below his performance last year. He's below replacement level, and that's that's going to be a concern, and that stands out. Hiring can be hard. Multiple jobs, stacks of resume, confusing review process, but today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. 
With their powerful matchmaking technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. This isn't just um, something where people can apply for. They have to be invited. And as we all know, an invite is better than just a cattle call. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great candidate. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So we're back. And... As promised, we're going to talk about some A.J. Cole, and then after that, we will go into the draft and some of the performances from this week that stood out for me. Um, A.J. Cole was a fourth-round pick in the 2010 draft. That is a big draft for the Nationals. They get Bryce Harper in round one. The Indians are picking fifth that year. They take Drew Pomeranz, other names of note, uh, James Tyen, Manny Machado, Matt Harvey, Yasmani Grandel, Chris Sale might be the biggest one, Kristen Yelich. I can keep going. Uh, Tejon Walker, Nick Castellanos. All of these guys have made big impacts, and all of those names were first-round picks. You have Andrelton Simmons in round two, Jed uh, Gallorco in round two. And if that's not enough, here are some other names that were taken after the second round. J.T. Realmuto, Jacob deGrom, Whit Merrifield, Corey Dickerson, Cole Calhoun. Uh, this is going all the way up through the ninth round where I am pulling these names. And this is even talking about guys who just made it to the majors and were productive. This was an excellent draft from top to bottom, one of the best ones in recent memory. And the Nationals took uh, A.J. Cole in the fourth round. He was discussed as one of the top prep arms in this class, and they gave him $2 million. This was back before the old slot system, so you could spend as much as you wanted when you wanted. So they gave him that... Uh, $2 million. He became instantly one of the top prospects in baseball, often listed amongst the top 100, peaking in the high 50s. And it's kind of an interesting lesson in um, looking at players and how we rate them. A.J. Cole was never particularly strong in the minors. His performances were never particularly great. He was down there, and he didn't ever had a huge fastball. His average fastball velocity has always been more low 90s, but he was a big guy who was given a big bonus, who was well thought of. And some players can live on that forever. Now, when Cole has gotten to the big leagues, he's actually been able to miss bats, and his walk rate is under four. It's a little high, but I'll take under four. His problem is he's just incredibly, incredibly home run prone, which we saw over the weekend. He um, he has almost a two home runs per nine inning rate that's well beyond even a Josh Tomlin. Uh, his home run fastball percentage is 15.5% over his uh, major league career. That would be like the low lowest 10%. Like he is one of the most extreme home run um, allowers in baseball, and it basically makes him unusable. The Indians do obviously like him. Uh, something like XFIP will probably rate him higher because it normalizes home run rates, which is part of the reason why I'd always kind of like Tomlin. And it's part of the reason I don't love XFIP is, yes, home run rates can be volatile. 
Um, but there are players who are consistently home run prone. And for someone like Cole, that's the case. And I just, the Indians added him to the 40 man, let him loose in February when they made some moves and have kept him in AAA. They like him, obviously. They're giving him this opportunity now. I think it's also one of those things that when they need to let him go, they're pretty confident he can pass through waivers without any issue. But uh, he's just not a major leaguer. Unless he can do something, and I don't see what he can do when he's that home run prone to improve or change what he does. It's clearly something to do with his, his pitches. A.J. Cole is just... You know, he was, like I said, he's an interesting test case because he was viewed as a potential first-rounder, never had a big fastball, never had dominant performances in the minors, and was still considered a top 100 prospect, more because of the scouting grade he got when he was a high schooler than anything else. If A.J. Cole had been signed for $100,000 as a day three pick, I don't think he ever reaches the majors. That's the truth of it. He's one of those guys that benefited from being a big-money signing there are a lot of arms that can be similar when you get right down to it. Um, high school kids who go other places and develop and end up being high picks. But, uh, yeah, I think Cole is almost purely a case of uh, the scouting grade he got when he was you know, 17, 18, 19, rather than what he is now. So as promised, I'm going to do about two minutes here on the draft and some of the college performers that I was checking out over the weekend and seeing how things were going. Uh, Arizona and USC only got two games in this weekend, but that's all right. Arizona was able to thwomp USC. Um, I say it's all right, not because I have a particular connection to either program, but Arizona has a pair of interesting bats this year at shortstop and third base. I've been a big Nick uh, Quintana fan for a long time since he was in high school when he was an 11th round pick of the Red Sox. I believe I called that my favorite pick of their draft. I thought for sure they'd sign him because the 11th round is almost always a place where you sign guys, and you know the Red Sox last year took another one of my favorites, uh, Nick Northcutt from the Cincinnati area in that 11th round spot, and were able to successfully sign him. So they, they have been able to do that, but they couldn't do it with uh, Quintana, didn't have the money, and he's kind of slipped on a lot of boards, mine included, but he's still performed well this year at third base. Over the weekend, uh, both him and uh, Cameron Cannon, who's the uh, shortstop, who on a lot of boards is actually um, higher than uh, Quintana at this point. Both are, are names to know and watch on Arizona. But uh, the first game of the series, they both had a double and a home run, uh, getting on base at a high rate. The second game, the Quintana went uh, one for one with four walks. It's always something that stands out for me and something he's always had a very strong eye for the zone. Um, another player that really stood out in the positive, Alec Manoa, continues to just be a force of nature. Uh, I can very easily see him ending up being the top arm taken in this class because he's just a massively built kid at six foot six to uh, I think like two forty. His brother was a draft pick of the Mets, so you got the bloodlines. The recent guys who have been the uh, led the cape and strikeouts. It's a it's a really good indicator at this point. Um, last year it was Chris Bubeck. Before that we have. Um, Zach Lothar from uh, Xavier, who's uh, looked like a stellar pick for the Orioles. And then before that was Eric Lauer from Kent State, who was San Diego's opening day starter. So that's uh, it's been uh, really a heralding of a player who's going to be someone to watch. And, I mean, Manoa has been consistently, it's 
it's not just the fact that he struck out 13 guys. It's these zero walks. It's he is he's missing bats. He's not getting guy, putting guys on base. It's a really strong performance for him. Uh, Will Wilson had a nice weekend. Aaron Schunk at Georgia nearly made mine. Um, Brady McConnell is one of those guys I don't know what to do with. I think he can stick it short, but there's not a lot of talk around him, even though this was a guy at one point who was a considered a top 10 high school kid. Uh, has gone to Florida, has performed well this year. He's going to be a second baseman or a shortstop. Uh, draft eligible sophomore. I'm a little surprised he has not generated more talk. And then Hunter Bishop. I've been down on him. Uh he had a good week. He went. He had three homers, uh, two on Tuesday night, and then one on uh, one over the weekend. Uh, really, it was one really strong game where he went like four for six with a home run against Nebraska. The other two were not so much, and Arizona State lost both those. But all of a sudden, he's uh, he's out there clobbering the ball, which is great to see because for a month he had one home run. After he jumped out to that huge lead, he just kind of fell back to the pack a bit. And you want to see someone getting hot now. I, I root for all of these kids, contrary to what some people have accused me of with uh, with some of the takes. But I'm hoping that he'll continue to perform. It's As I write it up and get more in depth, it's a class that's growing on me a bit. It still doesn't have a ton of depth, uh, especially once you get into the 20s. I'm just kind of around 24 25 26 i'm just it's very similar grades for the next spots and i'm going to be it's going to be interesting i this is the first year i'm going to say it every year but (laughs) because it hasn't happened yet but this is the first year where i think it might make the most sense that we could see a team do something very different um you know the first time we had the slag system in 2012 the uh the cleveland indians went way under slot with uh naquin and then went way over slot on their picks in rounds two through six. Um, the problem is that draft was awful. <laughs> Almost none of those picks even made it to double A. Most of them flamed out in A ball or lower. It was a, a crap show. There's no nice way to put it. It did not go well. It included the worst, or no, was it the year before was the worst second? Yeah, the year before was the worst second round pick in Indians history. Um, Dylan Howard, who never even got to a ball, which was a, a new low for a high pick. Um, first time I ever heard someone suspended for, uh, for drugs and that, that their, uh, fastball is actually slower after the fact. So we knew it wasn't performance enhancing. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the Indians are kind of where they are right now because that 2011 draft was spectacular. And since then it has not been, uh, so good. So I'm hoping this is a nice bounce back year for them. Uh, they've only got the the two picks. It's going to be interesting to see how those turn out. You know, this is the Indians podcast, so I'll bring it back around in that way. But I want to thank everyone who is listening, subscribing, and telling a friend, um, writing a review, anything that helps. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Tribe.